Well, hello, everybody. It's that time again. I'm Jay Ward. And I'm Wayne Carini, and we're talking classic cars. So, Jay, what what happened? Uh, you, you went to Hilton Head? What was going on down there? Yeah, you missed a great Hilton Head Island Concord. It's one of my favorite events uh, in the fall uh, that I enjoy going to with my family. And uh, this year was another great one. Lots of great cars. But one of my favorite parts was sitting down with Ed Bolian and just talking a little bit to him about how he built his YouTube empire with almost 2 million subscribers. Not to mention, he set a cannonball record back in 2013. So listen to this. All right, this is Jay Ward, and I'm here at the Hilton Head Island Concord d'Elegance for 2023 on beautiful Hilton Head Island. And I'm here with Ed Bolian. And if you don't know that name, you should. You probably, if you watch YouTube, and you've watched some of probably the most successful and popular people on YouTube for car channels, Ed, you'd be up there, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't know about that. We have an awful lot of fun. Tell me, just just for people, like the number of people right now that subscribe to your to your YouTube channel. We're right at two million. Two million people. Yeah. That's yeah. quite a bit. It is, and it's been amazing to, to watch it grow. We started VinWiki as an app, and then a year later started a YouTube channel in 2017 to promote it. And so six years later, more than a billion views later, it's it's amazing to see what the platforms allow, just in terms of being able to get you know fun automotive content like this out there. Yeah, tell me a little bit about what VinWiki is first. I know what a VIN number is, but what was the idea? Well, the idea was to build kind of a crowdsourced version of Carfax. So anybody could contribute information to the timeline of any car by its or by its license plate, and that kind of becomes more of like a living and breathing history of it. So if it, it's a car that shows up here at the Concours, or at Cars and Coffee, or in a terrible crash, or, you know, any news story, anything like that, it kind of goes in there, and it's been amazing to watch our community grow. We've got about 500,000 registered users, and more than 10 million posts, and 160 million cars, and so it's an awful lot of fun. So Vin, VinWiki came first, and then obviously the YouTube content. But before that, way back, we were talking yesterday, you're a Lamborghini guy. I am, yes. And you worked for Lamborghini at one point in the Atlanta area, is that right? I did, actually while I was in college at Georgia Tech, I started an exotic car rental company back when you get stated income loans as a 20 year old for Lamborghinis. <laughs> and, and so I bought a Gallardo when I was 20 and, and started the rental company, grew that a bit. And then uh, actually in 2009, I became the director of sales for Lamborghini Atlanta. To be quite honest, as the economy was sort of you know hurting, especially in the United States, they were looking for somebody who had a, a stronger grasp of the economics of ownership to kind of sell around the catastrophic depreciation. Yeah. Yes. cars we're experiencing. And so uh, started there, I think that year they'd sold five new Lamborghinis. And by the end, we were selling, you know, 70, 80 of them a year. And so it's uh, it's been great. And I, I learned a lot and really grew to love the brand even more. I'd always loved, you know, the poster cars, the big naturally aspirated V12 Lambos, but really getting to live with them every day was a, was a lot of fun. And at 20 years old, you bought a Gallardo. I like, did. first of all, you weren't old enough to legally drink. No. And, and you it, were able to buy a Gallardo on, on credit? Yes. Yeah. In the years that precipitated <laughs> the collapse of 2008, there were some reckless lending practices, you might say. And you so were the poster child I for that. Was, but I paid my bills and I was able to grow it and get more cars. And to be quite honest, what that allowed me to do through the rental car days was build up some real bulletproof car credit. And so when I was at the dealership, I could get a loan for whatever I wanted. I had more buying power than most of the customers just because I had so many long-term service successful 
multiple car loans. And I've always loved, you know, in the anti-Dave Ramsey sense of the word, just how can you buy a car you can't afford? Yes. And for me, that was looking like you won the lottery 10 years ago. Because if you buy a car that's 10 years old, at that time in particular, you know, they're talking 2009, 10, you know, whatever, then those cars were still pretty functional. And so I, I love to buy old Ferraris and old Lamborghinis and the, buy the worst ones I could find, make them a little bit nicer, drive the wheels off of them, and then, you know, sell them for a little more. Sell a little props, you get to drive the car for free. That's always the idea. You've had some good cars and you had some very bad cars. Absolutely. Tell me about one of the worst car purchases you ever made where the car you wish you, you couldn't give it away when you were done or you wish you would have never bought it in the first place. <laughs> well, I, I know I, something's coming to mind. There's, yeah, the, the, car, the worst car that I've ever owned and the worst car I've ever made it somewhere in was actually a TVR Cerbera that we bought last year for uh, a show that I do with Tyler Hoover of Hoovy's Garage and Freddie Tavares Hernandez called Car Trek. And it is honestly a sponsor-driven production with Auto Tempest that they wanted to do something higher end and they asked us what we wanted to do. And the answer was obviously play Top Gear. And so uh, we built kind of a knockoff Top Gear concept on YouTube. And so we do these different car buying challenges. So the idea was that we had to buy a car overseas and then import it and then take it to Amelia. And so last year I drove it to Amelia just barely, but it was, um, it was a TBR. It was a Cerbera, yeah, from 1997. So they have to be 25 years old. And it was a car that was built by Jamie Shaw of Max Power or Charisma, which was like the pimp my ride of the UK. <laughs> okay. And so it had these like crazy wide everything and uh, badly fitting fiberglass. Like if a stock TVR isn't bad enough. Exactly. Somebody modified it to, to, to decrease the level of reliability and ended up with and this And they thing. were very successful. Fantastic. Yeah, I ended up driving all the way back from Amelia to Atlanta at night with no headlights or <laughs> taillights. So we had a camera car front and rear to keep people from hitting me. A British car with bad electrical. Are you sure? You never would have thought. Are you I sure? Know it's, it's really out of character. And so I uh, actually, I was, I was doing an event with another sponsor up in Montana and I had, I had it sold. And I, I knew I'd probably found the only person that would ever want it. And I, my flight got delayed. And I was like, I'm not going to get back to deliver this car. And it was one of those car guy crises of like, there's, there's no one else. There, yeah, I have, I have to, to close this by deal. whatever means necessary. I have to get there. And I had to do uh, two other connecting flights just to get back to Atlanta. I was home for 30 minutes before I was like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Like, here's your amazing new car. Oh, you're going to love you this. You are going to love it. I mean, I can't really imagine what. Uh, and you have to sell that car at golden hour. It has to be like not under bright sunlight where they're going to see how no, terrible no, it is and not at dark when the lights don't work. Right there at the golden hour. That's it. In the movie where we call that golden hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, that light and McQueen through the desert kind of time. That's it. Perfect. And then tell me about like the worst Italian car that you probably bought. I bought a Lamborghini Gallardo Spider out of the police impound for the state police of Virginia. They had repossessed it when it was found to have been VIN swapped. And they sold it. They had somehow gotten a title for the car, but it had a previous salvage title. It had been rattle can painted black and then rattle can painted orange. And the, wow. probably the worst smelling car I've ever owned. Um, and I, I bought a, I mean, but it was honestly a running and driving 2013 Lamborghini Gallardo LP 550 Spider, which should have been 140,000 bucks. Bought it for 35 grand. Okay. And uh, Honda Civic money, as I like to say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, for the price of a Camry, you could own the worst Lamborghini on the planet. Now it doesn't. This have a is a manual. Car. This is a gated It was manual? not. No, no okay. it was a, uh, it was a paddle shift car, but they, uh, but it, you know, I got it for that. And honestly, I didn't know what to do with it. And so what I did 
I made a video of like, what would you do if you bought a $35,000 Lamborghini? And I had all the viewers submit videos talking about what they would do. And then I picked my five favorite ideas and then let the audience vote. And I let them buy me out of it for 35 grand. And this woman from uh, Arkansas, she's a nurse for like special needs kids. And she's like, I would turn it into the Lambulance and I would take it to all these shows and let these kids ride in and stuff like that. And that's what won. I was so glad. And so it's now wrapped in this ambulance livery and she takes it around all the time and, and drives the wheels off of it. The so, Lambulance. I, it's so, so cool. So, you know, it's a good way to take some some real bruised lemons and turn them into, not lemonade, but at least water that yeah, tastes yeah, like lemons. Yeah, just bitter water. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Drinkable bitter water. <laughs> exactly. Did you have something to add to the story? Uh, yeah, I just, I remembered that one. When I no. You remember the, right. the Lambulance? The Lambulance. Yeah. I, I remember, you took it to like when I broke the record. You, oh, you yeah. It. Yeah, we took it. He uh, he set the Hot Wheels world record for the most loops in a Hot Wheels track. Yep, he has a Guinness plaque and everything to prove it. How did uh, you do that? It's amazing. Nice work. A big old platform. That's my son, Graham. And uh, nine years old, we did it on your eighth birthday. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so going back to why we're here, you've got a collection of cars here. You're one of our featured collectors at the show this weekend and you're laughing about that because you don't consider yourself a collector per se you're, no you're I'm, a driver. I'm more of an accumulator, accumulator I, think. I like that yeah <laughs> i wind up with a lot of them and I, I do have some cars that i intend to keep for a very very long time and uh but i told him when they called i was like you know my cars aren't like nice like i drive these things all the time i i brought the highest mileage u.s example of a manual lp640 coupe the highest mileage u.s example of a manual 640 roadster and a uh my CL55 from the Cannonball record that's got 140,000 miles on it. It's been road hard, put up wet, and yeah. So um, I, I was very honored, very obviously, to be here, and it's it's amazing to think about that, and to hopefully, you know, some of us of our age can kind of be the torchbearers of this because these are ideas and institutions and, and events that need to need more young people. Need at young them. blood, yeah. And I think when you see a Lamborghini from the 90s or 2000s, that attracts a younger crowd. You know, most of the white-haired guys that are are your Packard, uh, Duesenberg, Pierce Arrow guys. They're not so keen on the 2003 Lamborghinis, um, and that's okay. There's some for everybody, okay. and that's the great thing is that you know we've always been very good at having a corral for each type of brand and each type of thing. And I think that the more that we can see the crossover, because you know anytime you can wind up with a multi generational experience, you're just empowering so many relationships to start. And I think that when you see you know, fathers and sons and grandchildren all walking around and having a blast. I think it's just amazing. And it's exactly the kind of thing that we need to foster in being here. Very cool. So one thing you mentioned was Cannibal Run. Um, first of all, tell folks really quick what it is for those who don't know, and then tell us a little bit about how you got involved and how you did. Absolutely. So the Cannibal Run was not just a goofy movie from 1981. It was an actual event that Brock Yates and Steve Smith from Car and Driver organized. It, they ran it competitively four times in 1971, 72, 75, and 79. And then they kind of hung it up as they were getting ready with Hal Needham to make the movie. There was a continuation event called the U.S. Express that happened until 1983. And then after that, it was really just left up to idiots like me to go out and see how fast they could drive across the country. Unsanctioned, so, if you will. Uh, exactly. Just kind of time trial style. And so um, I really in high school just read about this, learned about the folklore and just thought that's the perfect way for me to express what I mean when I say that I love cars. Because we're car guys. We're in a world of car guys and everybody just means something different. They may love fixing cars, detailing cars, driving cars, teaching about cars, drawing cars, whatever the case may be. And I think that for me, it was really identifying.
identifying the right car for the right challenge, solving that challenge or that problem in a series of steps, then figuring out the team to do it and the tools that you need, and then how you share that with the world. And so Cannonball just became that sort of beacon that I chased for about a decade. And it was uh, it was a whole lot of fun to, to pursue. And then in 2013, we actually uh, were able to set the world record for doing it. And so we drove from New York to Los Angeles, the Red Ball parking garage that Car and Driver used to use to house the press fleet, all the way to the Portofino Hotel in Redondo Beach that they used to use. Mary Alice owned it, which is a huge fan of Brock and racing and everything like that. And so finished there in 28 hours and 50 minutes. 28 hours in 50 minutes to go from New York to Santa Monica. That's right. How many how many miles does it total? It, it was right at 2,811, the route that we took. So your average speed was? Uh, 98 miles an hour overall, 100.3 moving. 103 moving was your average speed. So you are cooking. There's times when you're hitting 120, 130, 140. Exactly. That's kind of, we cruise between 130, 145 most of the time. So after we did three fuel stops, so the car that we've got here has three radar detectors and two laser jammers and a police scanner and a CB radio, multiple GPS systems, an ambulance traffic light changer, you know, all the kind of things that you could possibly put in a car to avoid detection. And it was kind of designed to be kind of a sleek, color ambiguous Mercedes. It's a CL55 AMG. Right. So we call it the Gray Ghost. That's it. It just yes. blends in. <laughs> yes. But the fact that you you did this run, there's so many things to go wrong, right? I mean, you can have a tire blow at 120. You can have a police helicopter somehow see you and call that in and you're just hosed. That's and it. then you're going to jail for a long time because you're tripling speed limits in most places. That's it. That's it. So we had a lot of fun and we fortunately got away with it. And magically, it was kind of a high gas price week, uh, some, you know, late in 2013 in October. And so we were able to uh, go. We, we just saw five fixed speed traps and we saw four of them long before. And fortunately, the fifth was uh, staring into a recently updated website, I'm sure, on his computer. And so we didn't have to worry about that one. We passed a, about a dozen cops moving in either direction. And it was really amazing. And, you know, it's sometimes, you know, we, we chase these goals as car enthusiasts and sometimes they live up to hype, sometimes they don't. But this was one that we pulled into the Portofino at, and at the time, nobody there even knew a thing about Cannonball. Did I they mean, know you were coming? No. Okay. No, I didn't, I didn't think we'd go and make it. So I didn't book the hotel till Arizona. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we pulled in just before midnight on October 20th, 2013. And it was just one of those things that it just, it was, it was everything you wanted it to be. I'm gonna ask a very bizarre question. Uh, when you have to go to the bathroom when you're running, did you just do the old Gatorade bottle? Is that the trick as well, you're rolling? Well, let's say we, crude, we, we had facilities on board, but okay. one of the things that we had learned was that a lot of the guys that had run in the 70s, 80s, and even as we had seen the record advance in 06 and 07 with guys like Alex Roy and Richard Rawlings, they were doing really, really long driver steps. And, you know, in, in endurance racing, you do 90-minute stints or something like that. So we thought that two to three hours on a road car was really perfect. And so every couple hours, which was about, you know, half or a third of a fuel tank, we would pull over and just do a roadside driver change because you drive faster enough in your first 10 minutes and your last 10 minutes to easily make up for that minute of lost time, decelerating right. and changing. So we could use the side of the road facilities gotcha. in such a circumstance. You figured out. And your record was finally broken when? It was. It was broken in uh, late 2019. And then in, during COVID, it got broken a dozen times in six weeks yeah. because the cops weren't allowed to pull people over in a lot of states and everybody was told to stay home. And those that chose not to found it a whole lot easier to drive a long way fast. Yeah, they hit the jet stream on that one and just flew right through. But That's it. I, your record stood for quite a bit of time. That's not bad. It did. And, you know, you don't set anything like that hoping it stands forever. It's really a 
about the community. And that's been so much fun is being able to sort of reignite this modern cannonballers community. I call it the fraternity of lunatics. Yes. Because, you know, we all find our own ridiculous way to do it. And there's been new electric car records, new motorcycle records, coast to coast to coast records, southern route records running from Jacksonville, finishing San Diego, which is about 500 miles shorter. And so that's all a ton of fun. And fortunately, we've been able to kind of capture and immortalize a lot of those stories on the VinWiki YouTube channel. Back in 2016 at the Greenwich Concours, there was a Cannonballers reunion. Oh, and cool. uh, it was great because Pam Yates was there. And at this point, Brock was quite uh, advanced in Alzheimer's and stuff like that. And fortunately, I'd been able to go up and visit him at the VA home uh, not long before it. And so these guys were all sharing stories. It was very clear that their grandkids were well tired of hearing about it. <laughs> and so when somebody actually asked them and handed them a mic, they would not stop talking. And so I was like, you know, somebody has to find a way to capture all these great stories. And so it's been an honor to have, you know, Brock Gates Jr. and uh, John Harrison and some of these guys come along to just really tell the stories of what it was like, uh, you know, to be out there and, uh, and, and be on the road for that long in such different conditions than we find today. Yes, exactly. In, in the analog era, if you will. That's it. A lot That's more to it. go wrong with a car, too, actually. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of Brock's thesis was, you know, he wrote in his book in 2001 that the, there was really a wall at 30 hours that, you know, no one could go faster. Beyond that, he said, no one would be crazy enough to try it now because there's twice as many people on the road, there's twice as many cops, and the penalties for speeding yeah. were so much bit different. I mean, when uh, when Gurney got pulled over in the Daytona in 71, he got a little, you know, $50 speeding ticket. Nobody cared, and they just went along their merry way at no time exceeding 175 miles an hour. Yeah, we're in a different era now, but it is amazing because of what the cars can do and what we can do with electronics and with radar systems that we can get around a lot of things. So Absolutely. pretty amazing. Yep. Well, Ed, I, I got to thank you just for sitting down and rapping me a little bit about VinWiki, about the best and worst Lamborghinis you've ever owned, uh, about <laughs> uh, being on the road for uh, the uh, Cannonball Run. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And what are you up to now? What's your next big car thing you're doing that you want to rap about? Is there anything cool you want to share? You know, it's it's been a wild week. I, we just did another cannonball. There are some guys that I get together with and we do it in old cars. So we just raced a 1976 Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow across the country. I say race, we did it in 36 hours and 10 minutes, averaging 78 miles an hour. And it only drank five liters of oil and six liters of brake fluid. And so it's, you know, I think that's well within spec if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And so uh, we made it into the Portofino. Uh, the next day, I had actually shipped in a Yakuza-modified Lamborghini Diablo SV from Japan. I trucked it from the port at Long Beach to the Portofino Ballet, picked it up the next day, drove it to SEMA. Um, some of my friends at Glossett are transforming that car right now, and so it's going to become a more like reasonable-looking thing. We pulled all the underglow lights off and the picnic table wing and the yeah. giant wheels and all this. And so it's going to become a more presentable automobile soon. And so uh, now I'm here, and uh, this is the last big event for the year. So it's at home, ready to clean up some things, sell off some cars, and uh, enjoy the holidays with the family. Good. Well, Ed, thanks for taking time with us and catching up. And uh, it's always a pleasure to see you. And we'll see you in a million, I'm guessing, in uh, March? I'm sure. The pleasure is all mine. Come by and tell some car stories. All right, will do. Whoa, Jay, that was really interesting. And I didn't know anything about Ed, and boy, this is great to find out all that information, especially, you know, his record that he broke. And then, of course, all the cars he really loves. Yeah, he's a major collector of gated Lamborghinis. Um, you know, as, as you heard, he's just a major enthusiast, loves these cars. He's a little bit younger than you and I, and he really gravitates to these cars of the late 90s, early 2000s and knows his stuff. And his YouTube viewership really shows that that audience is following him. Jay, it sounded like you had a heck of a time at Hilton Head. What's next for you? 
Well, here we are coming into the winter holidays. I'm getting ready to shut it all down for the year. January is right around the corner and I'll be going down to the NASCAR clash at the Coliseum, at the LA Coliseum, where they're going to do a mini bowl to race the NASCARs in. The reason I'm going is we're going to bring our life-size Lightning McQueen to uh, maybe do a couple laps. That sounds great. Wish I could be there, but we'll see you next time. Absolutely. See you on the road. All right. 